sometimes they're gonna be generic like me, just because something that works on everything. Right now, the first car one lap down is Brad and Joe. I hit a tire. I hit his tire. <laughs> broke again. He's a mother. God. A racist heart for last in my life. And welcome back, everyone, to One Lap Down. Here it's lap 44, and it's Brad and Joe once again joining each other uh, from across the state of Virginia, but still here ready for you. Uh, Brad, how has we your race week started? Week. Yeah, I know, like more than uh, one race for week. once. <laughs> I, am, I am pretty pumped for this weekend. The week has started off well. We've had beautiful weather out here. So our school is on spring break, but we've had a lot of work and stuff down around campus with the students gone. Uh, sitting outside right now in the evening on Tuesday afternoon, uh, just enjoying, uh, you know, enjoying the week and excited to talk with you about some big stuff from last weekend, but a lot of big stuff coming up this weekend. Absolutely. Yeah. No rest for the weary in college athletics, even on spring break, you got stuff going nope. on and we've got plenty of racing news to get to as well. So without further ado, let's drop the green flag on this and come out of the gate with Colton Herta getting a McLaren F1 developmental seat. That announcement comes out last week with all the speculation about Andretti buying their way into F1 and Colton Herta would, of course, be their driver if they did so. Uh, but this goes back to something that you mentioned when we first began this podcast, talking about McLaren's IndyCar team and how maybe one of those drivers could get a seat in F1, being, you know, have that American connection. But actually, it's someone who's on a rival IndyCar team who's being given this option with McLaren, right? It's very interesting. I did not see that coming from our limited perspective, right? Again, we're not digging through all the mud and, and reading all of those different things. But again, I stick with Colton Herta being the best bet to get an American in a seat over in Formula One. So, I mean, really exciting uh, to see when he gets a chance to drive that car and see kind of how that conversation goes. Thinking about Andretti, thinking about all of the different avenues that'll open up here really in the next, I, I, even maybe by the end of this season, depending mm -hmm. how things go with the Haas sponsorship. So uh, very excited about that. Certainly uh, a good deal for American motorsports and through the enthusiasts uh, if he can provide something that we haven't had since the 70s when an American won the F1 World Championship. But still rumors, uh, you know, at this point, nothing really definitive other than he's got a seat to develop. So we'll see how time shakes out for him. Also uh, sticking with Formula One as we are coming up on the season opener in Bahrain this weekend. Last weekend was the final round of testing before they get into practices and qualifying. And for what is the fifth straight year, Lewis Hamilton talks about how Mercedes is on the back foot and Red Bull and Ferrari are already in a better spot than them. And for the previous four seasons, it was Lewis either winning the championship or coming up just short in second place. So is this more... But Mercedes, but Mercedes still winning the, uh, the, the, constructors. the constructor champion. Yeah, so is this just more posturing? Is there something to this? Should we be concerned or should we just... Should I not even put it on here? I think you should put it on there because I think maybe last year we were fooled by it. We were new to this. This year we're veterans, Joe. <laughs> and the answer is no. I, I Hopefully it's more competitive, but... I mean, they know what they're doing, right? We saw them rip the side pods off of the car this weekend, a completely different looking car. 
not only the, the the small engineering tweaks that we couldn't really decipher, but a, just a massive difference in the body of the car when they went into Bahrain with testing. And and yeah, like they weren't the fastest out there on the track, but you know, in testing, you never can tell what kind of setup they're trying to test or any of that. I'm not buying it. Are you? No chance. No chance. And I don't care if he's got George Russell backing him up or not with what's being said. Um, I, I will say that there, there, there's probably a sliver of truth, right? It's probably not where he would like it to be, um, mm-hmm. but it's not worth all that media coverage of, oh, Mercedes is in trouble. Look out. It's going to be so much easier for, uh, for the other guys. So uh, I'm not going to be upset if he's right. But uh, and, and again, this is nothing against Lewis. I just hate that he always does this, even during races, talking about how his tires are going. Like, you're fine. Shut up. Uh, so yeah, I don't believe any of it. I think they're going to come out and they'll definitely be a top two. Maybe, maybe the noise around Ferrari and McLaren is real. So top three car, but yeah, I don't, I would not expect to not see Lewis and George, uh, qualifying in the top five or six, uh, this coming weekend for sure. Yeah. Yep. Uh, with, had a question with our friend, Jason, uh, we had a debate. He's saying that Haas needs to have a top six finish to secure a great sponsor. Do you see Mick or K-Mag getting in there in the top six this weekend? The only, I mean, out of the drivers, I'll pick K-Mag to actually do it. He's going to be way more aggressive, as he always was, um, than Mick would be, I believe. But I, I don't understand why, even though they have more, uh, wind tunnel testing and things are supposed to be more level, how we can expect them to be that close to the top. Um, I don't see how they beat out the normal suspects up there. I mean, you know, Gasly is going to do his darndest to be in a top six. He was a top six man last year all the time. George going to do George things. I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel like who's going to drop out of that top six in order for Haas to step in, unless of course there's, Rex or something that, that'll change things, but performance wise, nothing tells me they can be a top six finish. Yeah. I don't know if they even have one. I agree. Jason feels otherwise. Uh, so we need to get him back on here soon to, to prove his point or explain his point, but maybe more broadly than asking you, what do you think? I mean, what does Haas need to do this weekend to secure a sponsor? Do, does as much hinge on this as we think it does. I mean, I, they're down to, it's just the, the one in one, the German brand, right. That they have as their main sponsor. They need to get somebody else on the car. I mean, McLaren's starting to look like a like a, a NASCAR with all the different logos and brands they're putting on that thing, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, what are they going to do? What do they need to do? They're, yeah, McLaren's looking more and more American all the time uh, with all their sponsorships. But uh, I, for me, I would feel great about top 15 based on last year. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that gives you a lot of sponsorship, but it shows promise. Um, if you can... I feel like for K-Mag, especially that last day of testing, what he was able to to accomplish and just the feel-good feelings around the whole situation, I think if you get 11th, if you're just on the outside of the points, maybe you luck into a 10th, that'll definitely secure you something uh, that you Mm -hmm. you haven't been able to. But it's got to be – it's got to be top 12, in my opinion. It's, I'll take I'll take Jason's prediction and go, you know, double that. If, if you're in a top 12, um, if you finish 12th, I think that you're looking at a better position, a better situation. I think their issue right now is 
from a driver's standpoint, they don't have anyone that's very marketable other than Mick, but Mick is just waiting until he can get in a Ferrari seat anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So that, and, and K-Mag was never big on sponsorship. He couldn't even buy his way in or keep his way in. So he's got to do it just solely on the equipment that he's given. So, yeah, I think, I think all that aside, all the extra thoughts put into that 12th, if they can get 12th or higher, I think you've got a good chance to, for Gene Haas to sell that, Hey, you know, we're having some NASCAR success. Look what we can do with the new car. We spent all that time last year trying to develop it and all these things. I think we can do it again and do it as well on the F1 side um, and, and pick up somebody. Yeah. Last question I have for you. How many cars are going to get a DNF this weekend? Is this a war of attrition we're looking at with the new car? I, I, I do believe that. I don't think there's going to be actual wrecks. I think you're going to have issues with, hey, we've never done more than like 10 laps <laughs> in these cars uh, at a time. So I'm going to I'm going to say you said DNFs, right? Not how many finish, yeah. but just total right. DNFs. Yeah. How, how, how many DNFs will we get? Uh, I'll shoot low. I'll say four. I was going to say, what do you think about putting the over under at four and a half? And uh, we'll put that one out on Twitter and see if we get a response, see what people yeah. think about the weekend. Four and a half, put the over, over under a DNF. So you think there's going to be more? think there's going to be less? I might, I might go with the over. I think it's going to be a lot of people trying to preserve this car, especially with the limited spending. So little thing goes wrong. I think they're going to pull the plug this first race in Bahrain. So we'll see, True. but. Cause you do have more races than ever before. So you don't need to yep. you know, blow everything up in the first race of the season, especially if you're already in the mid pack anyway. That's a good point. It's showtime. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's go racing today, boys. Okay. As we will pretty much every show the rest of the year, thanks to the insane schedule that the NASCAR folks have, we are going to talk about mostly ovals that they were on this week, uh, unless they were spinning out, which a couple cars did have some issues, but nothing like we've seen during the past few weeks. So that's a good sign for the sport uh, in general. I didn't see anybody other than Martin Truex have issues getting back to the pits if they spun out. So that's always nice as well. But this was the end of the Western Swing. Uh, after they went out to Fontana, California, Las Vegas, Nevada, this past weekend. It's where the championship race will be in November uh, there in Phoenix, Arizona. And Chase Briscoe wins his first career cup race and the number 14 Mahindra Tractors Ford for Tony Stewart. Uh, well, I should say Stewart Haas Racing, not Tony Stewart himself. But uh, it's the car that, that Tony used to drive, uh, Chase being a huge fan of Tony's growing up. So very Picture perfect story uh, for them. He becomes a fourth different winner this season, which is another good sign as far as parity goes. But I will also say we talked about this last year. We wondered if we were going to have too many winners, you know, and not have somebody make it into the top 16 playoffs. So really kind of par for the course uh, when you look at last year uh, and that car. Before I get your thoughts, uh, let's just do the top 10. Let's get it out of the way right now uh, for this past weekend. In Phoenix, we had Roush Fenway Kozlowski Racing's Chris Buescher in 10th place. Daniel Suarez picking up uh, ninth spot after wrecking Austin Dillon in the last lap. Joey Logano in eighth. Kyle Busch in seventh. Kevin Harvick, who has now uh, picked up the record for most consecutive top tens at a single track in NASCAR history after finishing sixth in this race. Thought he might actually have a chance 
to win the race there uh, for a little while. But nevertheless, a sixth place finish. Good day for Stuart Haas racing. By the way, that um, record, 18 consecutive top tens at Phoenix. Uh, and I beg your pardon, it matches the record set by Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt, both at North Wilkesboro. So good company to be in for Kevin Harvick. Kurt Busch looking mighty spry in his 23-11-45 in fifth place. Ryan Blaney, who sat on the pole, gets a top five finish in fourth. Tyler Reddick in third for RCR. Ross Chastain in second place for Trackhouse Racing. And Chase Briscoe, your winner. So a very top-heavy young crowd when you look at the top four there on that list. Your thoughts of what you saw from Phoenix, Brad? Um, is your boy Ryan Blaney going to be able to finish a race? He he's going to run so well. He's going to finish. He finished, and he finished, but, I mean, he looked unstoppable in stage one. I mean, even throughout the race. I mean, he had some bad luck and had to go to the back of the pack and just cutting his way back through the field. But late in the race, it was kind of like, you know, I think that it was, it was fifth, correct? I'm like, reading that off, right? That was, Fourth. I mean – and fourth, I mean, getting yeah. back top five, getting back top five. I mean, I think that was the best you were going to get out of him, right? And yeah, so, the car, oh, car didn't yeah. have it at the end. It was, it yeah. was not a top three car. I did not. Uh, I mean, I didn't think it was that exciting of a race. I was surprised to see on Twitter a lot of people did. Um, you know, what I did like later, late on in that, kind of in that final restart was, you know, in that top four, three non-winners i mean three people that have never won at the cup series level and talented drivers and names we've been hearing at the top of the field so i did like finish and you know I, and i think that getting a chance to see chase briscoe out there was was a lot of fun as well you know it was kind of like we thought that you're coming out out of because he was if, correct me if i'm wrong he was the xfinity champion two years ago correct he did not win it austin Cindric won it at phoenix but he had nine wins uh, that year so yeah he kind of got right. Thanks to kind the, of a stud. The, yeah, the way it's set up, he kind of got screwed a little bit. Yeah. Well, either, either way, you know, it was kind of a, you know, we, we thought coming up that he might get a win last year in his first rookie year. And then, you know, and now we get to see that. It was fun. I mean, he looked, he looked great up there. Ross Chastain, Tyler Reddick. It's, it's kind of fun because getting into the sport, I never really watched NASCAR before. And a lot of those races during the summer of 2020, when I started watching, I knew Denny Hamlin's name. I knew Kevin Harvick's name. I knew Chase Elliott's name. You know, I knew Brad Kozlowski's name and and, the, and and Kurt and Kyle Busch, and it seemed like they were winning a lot of those races, right? And and now, you know, you kind of got this next generation group of drivers that are taking over. I think it's good for the sport. It's definitely fun as a fan to get to know some new faces. What about you? What did you think? Yeah, I honestly live, I didn't see but the last seventy five laps or so, um, so I missed all the domination of Ryan Blaney, unfortunately, but. <laughs> Uh, he, he like to, like I said before, he just didn't have the car there late after the couple of those pit stops, but I would agree in terms of overall excitement, there wasn't a whole lot, certainly, uh, but a lot, a lot of green flag runs, long green flag runs, but at the same time, we didn't see a lot of stagnation when it came to people trying to pass other people. We saw, we were able to see different lines being used and different type of passes being made, which is what the whole hope was with this new car, just like an F1. We want to see more overtakes. We want to see more parity with different cars who you don't normally see at the front, have a chance to get to the front and stay there. They don't have to just stay out for a pit stop in order to get up front. They can actually work their way up there with the car that they have. I mean, that top 10, of course we talked about the top three, but you think about Suarez, you think about Busher, those guys 
aren't usually in the top 10 and yet they're consistently there. I mean, Ross Chastain was third the week before second this week. It's his second year in the series. And he really hasn't, I mean, he's benefited from the fact that it used to be a Ganassi team and they just changed it over to track house. So he of course has better equipment, but you think SHR really would have made that much of a difference or a leap forward from last year with only Eric Almarola winning to this year with mm-hmm. Kevin Harvick and Chase Briscoe always up front, Briscoe winning the race. Like I think the cars themselves have enabled some of these teams that were on the back foot a year ago to be in a better position this year, whether that was them developing it earlier or just the fact that everybody is on a level playing field when it comes to parts and pieces. So I like, I love it. I'm glad we're seeing those young guys get a chance who normally have to complain and complain about, well, we could only get into the sport if we got in the back with all these teams that suck. Well, now it's, well, well, I'm a great driver. I showed that at a lower level and I'm actually getting a chance to show that at the top level and don't have to spend five or 10 years riding in the back and try to get a better ride. So I think it's great for the sport. I'm all for it. Certainly you have your favorites and your, your non-favorites of who you want to see up there. But in general, mm-hmm. for the health of the sport, this is good. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. And, you know, we talked a lot about last week about you know, these new cars, they hard to drive. Only three cars did not finish the race this past weekend, right? You go back weekend before that, we were looking at seven that didn't finish. I mean, you go back to Daytona and I think it was like, I mean, granted the super speedway and you've got the big one and that accident. I think over 10 cars that didn't finish, but I think only three cars and one of them, I think, and remember Truex just had his tire blow out, right? And that kind of put him in the wall. Uh, And then you look at Kyle Larson and just having some engine trouble. So not really factors. And I I forget the other car that didn't finish the race, but not really factors. LaJoy. Yeah. But I wouldn't say those were things. I mean, that's kind of normal when you put, you put that many cars on a track, you're going to have the odds of that happening. So, you know, I think a big step in the right direction a big step in the right direction for people who were saying that the car was out of control or any of that. I mean, these, you know, they're, they seem like they're figuring it out and the teams are figuring it out as well. Absolutely. And it's a very refreshing thing for an old NASCAR fan to look down the list and see the reason that someone didn't finish was engine. We've, it's been a long time since <laughs> we've seen someone just, well, the engine just quit and we had to get out of the race. So uh, regardless yeah. of who it was yeah. that it happened to no offense, Ed, but that part for me was like, wow, okay, some reliability issues. This is good. This is this is good for parity. It's good for who knows what's going to happen. And yeah, it wasn't a big ass wreck, but one of your best drivers gets taken out to no fault of his own. You know, just engine gave out. So yep, um, I, I do enjoy that. Well, speaking of unknowns, a little bit of unknown going into this week's race at Atlanta. Uh, the only reason for that would be that. They repaved it, reconfigured it. They increased the banking by four degrees. They uh, brought in the width of the track a little bit. So now you've got your mile and a half configuration with higher banking and less width to be driving around on. So you, there, some, some drivers are thinking you're going to have more of a super speedway feel to it. Uh, not as many lanes to pass, more maybe more of a two-lane boring type of race. Um, who knows? Obviously, we'll find out this Sunday, but... One thing that we'll all be wondering, uh, maybe not all of us, but I'll be wondering is where are the Toyotas? Uh, So far, Chevy and Ford locking out the winners and average finish. Toyotas are finishing with their best finisher, an average of one place behind the top finishers for Ford and for Toyota, or excuse me, for Chevrolet. The best finishers for Toyota through four races haven't finished any better than fifth 
this entire uh, time. Wow. And they've only had more than uh, two drivers in the top 10 once. Uh, so not, I don't know what that points to per se, because again, these are supposed to be, regardless of manufacturers, it's still supposed to be um, the same cars essentially, but the aerodynamics are a little bit different for the body style. So maybe there's a problem there. I, I don't know. I mean, it's really early to, to really come up with a potential reason as to why this is, but uh, your thoughts on the, the Toyota problems? I think it's because they have a, a main sponsorship with Fox and they, and they feature those Toyota cars on Fox <laughs> and they do all that like pre-race stuff. I think that's a curse. Um, I don't know. I mean, we're getting into the technicalities of this stuff that I will admit not to knowing, but you know, I, I don't know if it's something where early on they're being conservative, especially with the caliber of drivers that they mm -hmm. have up there. Seems like they're running well early on and then kind of late in the race. I know it just, it seems like late in the race is when the Chevys have been really best the last few weeks. Right. You know, and so, I mean, I think that might be something where they look at, you know, balancing things out for longer runs, different strategies. And, and I'm also really intrigued to learn, you know, how much communication there is between the different you know, manufacturer teams, right? Now, they're all competitive with one another, but everybody in Toyota, surely there's a, there's a group call, there's a group conversation as to what the manufacturer expects to see. So that's a part of the sport that I'm getting more interested in and trying to learn more about figuring that and, and I would say maybe to that point, maybe Toyota is just being a little more conservative early on in the season. Yeah, maybe we'll see a little bit more of that when the USA Network debuts their uh, answer to Drive to Survive on the NASCAR side. They'll be filming all year. So maybe we'll very excited about that. Yeah, we'll see some more inside stuff there. Hey, real quick note before we move on. Um, Atlanta is home to one of the crazier things that's ever happened in NASCAR. Back in 1993, uh, the snowstorm of the century came through the eastern side of the U.S., dropped three feet in the mountains of Atlanta, and delayed the race by a week. The, literally the day before the race was supposed to go, they had qualifying. Rusty Wallace was on the pole, no problem. And then by the next morning, they were uh, the cars were covered in snow. Uh, the track was covered in snow. There was nothing they could do about it. So, uh, and of course, because of all of that snow sitting there and you couldn't really move three feet of snow, it took a while to get it all cleared off and get ready uh, for the next That's week's So pretty, pretty wild stuff uh, for sure. And anybody who knows anything about classic NASCAR, Alan Kowicki will always perk your ears up. Uh, his team, he and his team were found on the race day morning working on the car with Alan having his helmet on to block the wind as they tried their best to still to utilize that time, even though they knew they weren't going to have a race, hey, we can still tinker things and get ready for you know next week's race. So pretty nuts stuff there. That's wild. Good stat line to pull out of that one. Okay, one lap down, listeners. If you are new to the show, we've got a new segment this week that we had in our previous season worth of shows. So if you're Coming back after season two, we're happy to implement our trailer talk segment again. Now, we won't have an interview every single week, but we do our best to have one uh, or two every single month. And this week, we have the pleasure of talking to Jacob Borst, who is a late model participant in the NASCAR Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series. He'll be racing this weekend at South Boston, and I had the pleasure of talking with him yesterday for the podcast. 
All right, folks, very excited for our first interview of the year on the One Lap Down podcast. We're back to our trailer talk segments. And for this one, we're talking to Jacob Borst, who is a late model driver out of the Elon, North Carolina area. Last year's South Boston Speedway's late model rookie of the year, uh, finishing second in the points behind the living legend that is Peyton Sellers. Jacob, how you doing, man? It's race week. You got to be excited nervous anxious what are the emotions right now oh they're all over the place we we ended up with we went to test yesterday and everything went real smooth and we're really happy with the car so getting back in the car after about a five and a half month break it was it took some getting used to it was at first it was a little rocky but uh, i've been racing since i was five so it was it's just to me, you just get back in your rhythm and you're ready to go. And I think we're at that point now. And we'll go test Friday. And we're looking forward to Saturday. We have twin races. And we're really looking forward to going and try to pick up two wins to start off the season right. Absolutely. Yeah, you riding uh, a bike again, the, the, the metaphor of just like riding a bike is a little bit different than most people. Because you got a big honking engine and going pretty fast. So uh, certainly second nature for you. And before we talk about this weekend in 2022, I do want to quickly revisit uh, what kind of took place during that last five and a half months of being honored as Rookie of the Year uh, in your first full season in the late model class, especially at a place like South Boston that has so much history, all different levels of, of NASCAR and, and more small town track stuff. What did it mean when you were given that honor and does it still resonate with you today? It does. It's a big honor. That was that was our main goal going through the season. We wanted to pick up a win or two during the season. And we know it's really stiff comp- competition. It's one of the biggest tracks on the East Coast, so we knew it wasn't going to be easy. And we had a lot of good rookies like Landon Pimbleton, Carter Langley, um, a lot of good rookies and good equipment. And it honestly came down to a lot of, a lot of decisions on the track, a lot of luck, and the luck played our way last season. But Getting rookie of the year at South Boston is a really big deal. It's to me, I've always wanted to race there. I've always looked up to Peyton and Lee Pulliam and Philip Morris, always watched them there and always want to be on the track. And to be able to go out there in my rookie season and compete and get a win and a lot of top threes and give Peyton a run for his money, it was it was a dream come true. Well, you mentioned something there about decisions made during the race, uh, throughout, obviously luck is always going to be involved, but tell me a little bit about the team that you had uh, behind you and supporting you the whole way and how crucial they were when it came to adjustments and making certain calls at the right time. Yeah, it's, it's all, it's a team effort. It's not one person, all the fans, they see just a driver and behind that driver is a really good crew that does a really good job to get me there. And my dad, he's, one of the I think one of the best out there to set up a car and know what the car's doing he he gave me a fast car each week and him and my mom uh they I've been really fortunate for them I've been really fortunate for them to let me race and kind of live out my dream as a young kid going and trying to beat Peyton and give him run for his money but we have a lot of crew members Donnie Williams Big Donnie Rodney Garrison Mike Ward all the guys that come to the track go run errands for us they're all part of the team we wouldn't be out there winning without them so they on day races it's helps us a lot not as much stress you kind of get it everybody has their own thing they're doing and some people do do tires get the car on jack stands you do this and that and everybody just finds their groove what they're good at and 
it all just comes together and makes a big team. All right, let's move on to 2022. And the first thing that people are going to notice, especially if they follow South Boston Speedway online or yourself and your accounts uh, throughout Twitter, especially, is a new look for the car. Uh, Samson, the, the black bullet in a way, is, is being moved aside, you know, partially retired, maybe retired forever uh, for more of a white paint scheme. What was the decision behind changing things up this year? Yes, we've we've always had black cars and Samson. It was it was one have a heck of a car, and we plan to run it on certain different races. But right now we have the white car, which we decided to call it White Lightning. That's White Lightning. That's going to be our excellent. That's going to be our main car for South Boston and all of the and Samson. That'll be the car if we go the Motor Mile for a race or two in Dominion. We'll take that because it's just a good of a car. Yeah. Uh, Forrest Reynolds, he builds heck of a good cars for us and but we found uh we just got that white car and it's a really good deal for us and i don't know we just try to do something different uh, we've always done black and we just tried white and honestly i was kind of nervous about it my parents were nervous all of us were nervous because we never had a white car and it's gonna take a little bit getting used to but after we got the graphics on it we really like it and it turned out a lot better than we thought it would it is definitely a sharp looking car, especially in the sun, which I guess maybe it won't be won't be as hot inside the car either with the, the white paint job. Uh, does that mean we're going to see a white suit or are we sticking with the good old black one? Um, I'll, I've always wanted a white suit. Uh, I always told dad, can I get a white suit? He said, no, I'll stick to black. And <laughs> in a way, that's a good thing because you get white and get the wash after every race. And after a year, it's starting to turn brown. And I don't know. I think the black just looks nice it just looks nice it's just plain and just looks real classy so yeah uh, we're gonna stick with the black suit so we'll have a new look on the car but the same old look for the suits well that's good news for uh, anybody listening and getting ready to watch you on saturday whether it be in person or on the flow racing live stream uh they'll be able to pick you out for sure uh with especially with that white scheme and heading into the night races uh, certainly. Also, you mentioned uh, putting the, the paint job on, putting the stickers on. You've got some partners this year uh, that have come on board, especially your hood sponsor, uh, deciding to help out throughout the entire season. What is that process like? I know that you may not be heavily involved on the actual money part and the dealings, but you know, trying to make sure that you can, what's the pressure like to make sure that you live up to what these uh, partners are are helping you with in terms of monetarily and, and the support they give you at their businesses. Is there extra pressure there or do you feel like, well, they're behind me no matter what? Um, it kind of goes both ways. You, you got to represent them well. Um, that's the one thing. You got to have character. You have, I mean, they're, they pay money, get their names on the car and they want to have a professional driver out there. So, you know, they, they help us out a lot. They help us with a lot with expenses and we definitely couldn't do it without them. And, um, you just have to – I'll just go out – I just have to go out there every week and just do what I always do, and I can't do any anything different or anything better than that. But um, you just have to keep your cool, have to – sometimes got to – you can't get – let the temper take – let the temper take advantage of you. Um, you have to stay cool. But we did get some – our hood sponsor from Martinsville, Barber Heating and Air, they came back for, for a full season with us. We – also got one new sponsor, Southside Disposable, out of South Boston. They came along this season. We have Cox Chrysler Jeep Dodge. 
surface concepts triad science who provides all our graphics and they're they're a really big help to us so we have a lot coming back on from last year and that helps us out all the sponsors help us get through the year so we're hoping to represent them well yeah definitely says something about those that may have been temporary sponsors coming back for full seasons uh, for sure so no doubt that you'll make them feel like it was a good return on their investment moving into uh the first race of the year and of course the rest of the season as well. Um, related to the bigger picture, what are what are the what's the goals list look like? Obviously, as a driver, you want to win races, you want to win championships. But is there anything else outside of that typical answer that you guys want to make sure you accomplish this year? Oh, uh, we got to keep the Carmel piece to do all that. So that's one of the biggest goals. <laughs> but um, last year we struggled with that, just in the wrong place at the wrong time, and that really hurt us in points, even though we finished second. But this year we're, we know we can finish second and we know it's not going to be easy, but we're going to try to go out there and win the championship. And we know it's going to be hard going against the national champion of last year. And there's a lot of good competition out there. So our main goal for 2022 is to try to get the championship at South Boston and in Peyton's four year, five year streak up there. So to do that would be a really big accomplishment. Yeah, no question about that. It seems to be the car everybody's chasing every single year. And I know we've talked a lot about South Boston because you are running that full schedule. And you just mentioned a few moments ago, uh, Motor Mile and Dominion. Any other tracks that may be on your list? Yeah, we plan to run Langley and Martinsville, which are part of the Triple Crown. We do plan to run that this year. And um, to do Langley, we've never been there. It's totally different than what we're used to. So to do something like that, we might have to go up there a weekend or two and get used to the track so when we go up there for the Hampton Heat we know we have a good piece but uh, we visited Motor Mile last year we did had really good success on our first trip and I really loved the track it was a really fun track so I'm hoping we can go back there and Dominion and just kind of visit a couple different tracks and while we're on the South, South Boston full time but that's that's what I want to run but it just all depends on how the season goes and we just got to let it play out. Let me ask you something about that, too. You said it, those are the tracks that you want to run. Uh, there are some variations, of course, when it comes to the banking and motor mile, the flatness of, of Langley. Is, is that just you wanting to experience different levels and, and hopefully making that experience help you even more in South Boston? Yeah, um, when we raced quarter midgets for eight years and the last couple of years we ended up running national, we would go from really banked tracks that were concrete to asphalt and then some of them that were super flat and just doing that helped me help me adjust from track to track and to me it just helped me become a better driver and going from track to track you get more experience and um you know you always want to go somewhere and do good and you just feel better about yourself when you get to do that so um you know we want to go experience the different tracks see what see what we have and the main goal is to have fun. So that's what we're going to try to do this year. No question about that. Always good to be good elsewhere uh, in multiple places for sure. Uh, last thing I want to ask in terms of this holistic picture of getting ready for the season and even looking back to last year, is there a takeaway from last year other than the accolades that you're definitely going to put at the forefront this year to maybe help you in the beginning of the season, I know last year may have been a couple more of those feeling out scenarios, but now with the full season under your belt, do you feel more prepared before the season starts? Yeah, last year we knew we were going to be good, but 
we just starting out. You're starting out in late model. It's hard to have the confidence to go out there run against Peyton Sellers and know you're better than he is. So, um, knowing we have a win on our belt and knowing we can run in the top three at anywhere we go, even Martinsville, it's it for us. It's a big confidence booster. So, um, coming from last year to this year, I think we come in with more confidence, which I think will help us run better during the season. And uh, I just think we're coming more prepared, more confident. So I think all of that combined just don't have let us have a better season. Well, it definitely uh, sounds great in theory, and we look forward to watching you put it all together on the track. Again, that starts this weekend, a 2 o'clock start at South Boston Speedway in South Boston, Virginia. You can check it out live at the Speedway or watch it online thanks to Flow Racing as well. Hey, last question before you take off. I want to ask something that's not racing-related necessarily, but, you know, find out a little bit more about you, like hobbies. What do you What do you do when you're not inside the car? What do you do when those rare moments that you actually – have free time, uh, especially in the evenings. What what is what does Jacob Borst do for fun? Um, I play sports at school. That's one thing. A lot of the afternoons, I'm busy playing sports. Uh, I, normally during the winter on the off season, I know, and well, I guess it'll be the in the in the middle of the season, I'll play soccer, basketball, and normally do a different spring sport every year. So all through the year, I'm doing a sport besides the summer. And the summer, I'm busy working and racing, and it's a lot of the time my schedule is really busy. So normally when we get home, we'll just hang out, relax. All of us had a busy day and if we have to we'll work on the car real late, and, but hopefully we can work on it and enjoy ourselves. So yeah. we, I like to go hunt. We ride, we ride side by sides up in West Virginia. I love doing that on the off season. Um, we, but most of the time we're busy. I'm busy at school or playing a sport or working on the car at home. So uh, it's, I'm always busy. I never really have time to relax. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have enough time to uh, uh, slay it on the soccer field uh, and, and on the basketball court. I, I have to ask, like, out of those two, what would you be better at? What would you consider yourself to be better at? Um, I've played basketball. I've kind of played basketball on and off my whole life. I'm pretty decent at that. But I played started playing soccer just probably in eighth grade, so about mm-hmm. four or five years ago. And, I don't know, but by my senior season this past year, I was pretty good at it. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of – I'm pretty about the same on both. Uh, but if anybody asks me what my main sport is, I always say racing because I've done that my whole life. That's what I'm good at. So, Hell yeah. there's other sports. I'm just trying to do it to keep me in shape and just have fun with buddies that I don't have long to go to school with them. So, uh, I don't know. I'm probably about the same on both. Yeah. Well, for the record, the racing answer is the right answer. That's yeah. and it's way cooler, in my opinion, as well. Yeah. Uh, if I could have used that, I would have used that when I, when I was in high school for sure. Uh, well, Jacob, thanks so much for your time, man. Really appreciate you hopping on, and more importantly, from my standpoint, look forward to watching you on Saturdays at South Boston and catching up with you maybe uh, halfway through the season. We'll re regather uh, here on the podcast and see how 2022 is treating you. Thank you, Jeff. Being March means it is Women's History Month, and they don't get enough love unless there's a debut and everybody wants to talk about them for a hot second. But there's been a lot of influential women 
in the history of motorsports. And you've uh, pulled out a couple that specifically you want to talk about. Yep. Yep. So we got four of them. There's lots of great lists for, uh, I guess, for National Women's Month. And we had International Women's Day last week and weren't quite prepared to hit on it. But just talking about some women in motorsport, right? And I think it's important they're not, they're not uh, female drivers. I mean, they're drivers, right? That's it. It's the great part about the sport. But definitely some women that have done great things in the sport. I think easy to start with Danica Patrick, especially she's been on the broadcast. I personally enjoy listening to her, maybe a little dry for some people, but we'd already listened to her a little bit with the Indy 500 and some Indy car coverage, right? But I think she's been doing a great job the last couple of weekends. Um, interest, couple interesting facts about her. I mean, She's the only woman to win an IndyCar race uh, in IndyCar history. Uh, and then she's the only woman to take pole in NASCAR. Do you know what race she took pole in? Uh, Kansas? I don't know. Daytona 500 in 2013, oh. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Man. So a uh, couple interesting facts about her there. Uh, one that I didn't really know uh, that well, I guess a little bit kind of or before our time of watching racing, Lynn St. James in IndyCar. Uh, she's the first woman to take IndyCar, uh, the Indy 500, excuse me, Rookie of the Year honors. That was in 1992. She finished 11th in the race. Um, so, and she completed the legendary race seven times. That's so, a good run, man. Uh, yeah, completing it. That's a, a feat in itself. Yeah, yeah completing it. And uh, so uh, she's also done a little bit of like the endurance racing, uh, two victories in the 24 hours of Daytona, one win at the 12 hours of Sebring, uh, second in class at the 24 hours of the uh, Nuremberg Ring. So uh, some pretty cool stuff uh, from her, maybe a name that people don't recognize as much. Uh, another one to hit on in there uh, is uh, the Force Sisters. So in that group of the, the Forces, we've got Brittany, Courtley, and Ashley Force, a name that you've brought up here on the, uh, on the podcast several times. But uh, they're the daughters of uh, the winning NHRA driver, John Force. Uh, but they also uh, they have the same winning DNA. Brittany Force, the second woman in history to win Top Fuel Championship in 2017, is the first woman to win a NHRA four white nationals. Uh, Ashley Force uh, Hood, uh, now her new last name, was NHRA's Funny Car Rookie of the Year in 2007. It was the first woman to earn Top Fuel Funny Cars in 2008. And then Courtney Force Ray Hall, that's a name we recognize, mm -hmm. is the third woman to win Funny Car History and the only woman to qualify in first and win at the Winter Nationals. So crazy, crazy DNA in that family. Maybe some of that money in NHRA helps as well. But you can speak to more of that, but uh, definitely uh, that killer instinct uh, on the quarter mile helps. And then uh, one that Steph and I especially have been really interested watching Drive to Survive lately, uh, Susie Wolf, uh, somebody who you see on the show uh, as Toto Wolf's wife. Uh, and we knew of her being involved with Formula E and being a team principal. She's now a CEO with uh, the Mercedes partnership and Formula E, uh, which is pretty cool. But what we didn't know uh, is that uh, she kind of rose to fame, all different types of racing circuits, and was signed by Williams Formula One, Marcus Development Driver, and made history at the 2014 British Grand Prix at Silverstone, becoming the first woman to take part in a Formula One race weekend. That's pretty cool, Damn. right? I think, yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was the first one right weekend in 22 years. So kind of in the modern F Formula One weekend, um, the first woman to take part in that. Um, and so it was 2015. She retired from motorsport from competing at the Race of Champions at the end of November. But in 2016 was when she joined. So immediately was when she got into broadcasting and analysis coverage for Formula One and Channel 4 in the UK. Uh, and then after that, 
and kind of vaulted into Formula E. So lots of cool stuff. Um, been a big fan of her every time we see her on uh, on Drive to Survive. Don't know if you've been fully caught up. Uh, maybe a good chance to, to transition after that. Uh, but yeah, there's four women you might know, but may not know all about in motorsports. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you bringing that up during the podcast. Uh, we've got I guess two more shows uh, this month, so we can highlight some more uh, throughout the rest of the month, some more ladies who are crushing it uh, with four, two wheels, doesn't matter. They're out there doing the same thing men are doing. And as you said at the top of that segment, they're drivers. They're not just female drivers. They're, they're drivers like anybody else. It's just unfortunate that they get, you know, a, a certain amount of scrutiny slash spotlight because of uh, their gender. But nevertheless, uh, especially as an NHRA fan, I know that a lot of times if you watch a race, you go to a race, the women are going to outpace the boys uh, more often than not. So uh, that that is for sure. We'll talk more about that next week on our show. But before we get into our high side and low side, it's time for a quick hot lap around the headlines. <laughs> All right, man. Every week we do three or four, two or four. We'll see. Uh, as the year goes along, we'll have some more headlines, of course, to talk about. But we've got four headlines to go through today. Two for Brad, two for me. And Mr. Dunn's up first. Las Vegas. Uh, we saw a great race out there at NASCAR. But Formula One, we feel like that race announcement is imminent, making three races in the United States. Uh, that would be for 2023. That's the plan for moving to that one. In NHRA, Tony Stewart becomes the fifth different owner to win in NASCAR and the NHRA Pro Series after Matt Hagen won this past weekend in the Top Fuel Funny Car class for Tony Stewart Racing. Uh, IndyCar is headed off to Texas, but that deal is expiring, and they're not talking about extending it. They are looking to Milwaukee Mile as the replacement for that race on the circuit. Interesting. Headed north uh, for instead of south this time of year. And one former motorsports that we haven't talked about yet because it's all been rumors they've been testing, but air speeder. I've been following them on Twitter for almost a year now. It's a flying electric car series and they have signed their first pilot, Bruno Senna, the nephew of the legendary Ayrton Senna who had a brief but failed F1 career has continued to drive. And now he's going to fly and race. Uh, if you haven't had a chance yet, you should definitely get on Twitter, check out the Airspeeder account. Those things are wild looking. And the way that they structure the tracks and the course, it's it's something to behold. So, I, I mean, at this point, within a year, we're going to be having to add a, a, a segment to the show about Airspeeder. Yeah, I don't know about this, Joe. This is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, it, this, the, the notes to this podcast are the first time that I had seen about these airspeeders. So uh, they like a mix of like they're like low flying drones, basically. Mm -hmm. Right? They've got the like the quadcopters out there with humans just off the ground. Yeah, with people. Yeah, people. And I'm like, it's uh, all right. Yep. To be continued for sure. All right, guys. Let's get to uh, high side and low side. Check up, check up, check up. Go low, 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 low. Every week, Brad and I go over our highlights and lowlights from the previous week. And for me, this week, my high side is just the fact that NHRA is getting more popular thanks to being on Fox and FS1. And of course, Tony Stewart. Uh, we knew that the announcement of Tony Stewart getting involved would get people interested. 
But now that he's having success, now that he's he's on TV being interviewed after one of his drivers wins a race um, there in Gainesville this past weekend, it not only gets put on drag racing platforms, but of course gets put on NASCAR platforms as well. Uh, in fact, the stat that I just mentioned during the hot lap was pulled from NASCAR on Fox's Instagram. So they are taking time to make a graphic about one of their Hall of Fame drivers doing great in another series. And that automatically will get people interested because they're already on Fox watching NASCAR stuff anyway, uh, just like this past weekend. As soon as the Xfinity race was over, bang, NHRA qualifying started. So because of that, I'm really excited to see where NHRA uh, could go in terms of popularity among motorsports fans. Dang, definitely, definitely. And, you know, we, we start, slowly started getting into it. I remember enjoying watching that with you last year. Excited to uh, to follow that season along. Hi, side man. I'm, I'm wearing the F1 shirt. You stole you stole a picture of me in the NASCAR shirt last week to uh, to post on Twitter, and then I know you'll probably grab a screenshot of me wearing my F1 uh, shirt this week. But we're in race week. I'm excited. You know, I, I I hadn't really been feeling it yet until kind of getting through the first three episodes of Drive to Survive, and I think really started getting excited for for what this season is going to be. I think there's a lot of interesting storylines. I'm excited to see what the new car is about. We talk about, you know, we're going to do our poll over under four and a half DNFs this weekend. You know, what's it going to be like? You know, are we going to see somebody just come out of the out of the gates, ready to win some races and swing throughout the season? Are we going to get more drama and people calm down? Michael Massey is gone. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot, lots of great storylines, lots of great excitement, and uh, I couldn't be more happy to watch the recorded race on Sunday. <laughs> yes, emphasis on that part. Uh, don't do not mess up Brad's viewing of the race long after it's over. Okay. Uh, yep. Low side, I'm sticking with NHRA because after that Xfinity race, uh, which was fun to watch, and qualifying started on FS1 for NHRA, they did their annual top fuel all-star call out where they have certain drivers ranked in the top fuel class. There's eight of them. And the number one seed just calls out any of the drivers that are available to go head to head with them in qualifying and some, in some convoluted way, how they finish in that moment, which I guess is a way to spice up qualifying similar to the sprint races with F1, right? They want to spice up Saturday um, they are able to determine the bracket the, for, the, for the race weekend, um, even though there's going to be eight other cars, too, that are qualifying uh, at the same time. But anyway, my main point is it was cringy to watch. These drivers did not want to do it. They didn't want to be assholes to each other and, and call each other out and say, you know, I'm picking you because you suck and I'm going to beat you or anything like that. And then on top of it, Gainesville was going through cold weather. They had some snow issues. And uh, people like Leah Pruitt and Antron Brown, who haven't not or who have not missed a race since 2013 and 2012, respectively, they got booted from the show entirely because they lost this call out race uh, that wasn't even a race. It was just for qualifying. So total sham. WWE. Huh? WWE NHRA style. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, it seems so. Let me see an NHRA race at WrestleMania this year. That's what I want. That's what's happening? Yeah. Well, it fit the mold for that. That's on Fox 2, by the way. So, um, yeah, so I was not a big fan of that, especially when uh, two of your biggest, most popular drivers don't make the show simply because 
of this gimmick that you want to put on. So boo to that. Don't do that anymore. All right. So I think my low side for this week, Joe, I mean, I've brought it up a couple times already, but I mean, it's like, we've got Indy cars going at 1230. I want to see that race. We've got NASCAR going at three formula one. I'm most excited for going at 11 AM and I'm going to be running the whole time through it. I'm going to have to watch it. I'm going to have to watch everything on a recording. I'm going to be trying to avoid spoilers and stay off my phone while trying to watch on my phone. Ugh. So yeah, I'll be right for being excited. healthy. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. We're going down to Virginia beach. We're going to be running with Steph and her brother. Um, we're doing an 8k on Saturday and a half marathon on Sunday. So, um, you know, say what you will about those guys out there on their race weekends. It's a, uh, it's, it's race weekend for coach Brad as well. So here we go. We got yes, a, uh, a full weekend coming up, but I don't know if we had scut- touched on the schedule, but um, we've got uh, starting off at 11 a.m. is the Bahrain Grand Prix. Uh, it's exciting because that's over in the nighttime over there, right? So it's, it's, it's cool to watch that. Um, I'd be remiss not to bring up the scary history there two years ago, mm. but uh, I think uh, we had a clean, late, clean race last year and, and really looking forward to that. Uh, I was playing that on F1 uh, 2020 video game last night i kind of like that track i've been excited to see Me that too. so hopefully hopefully we get a good race out of it uh then we're going at 12 30 eastern time is when we're going to be racing the indy cars out in texas uh and then three o'clock is down there in atlanta and i think that i want to go back to that real quick joe you repave it you make all these changes should you just rename the track i mean is it the same is it really the same track or do you kind of retire that track never to be raced again i've heard some drivers are pretty upset about it yeah, there, there are plenty of drivers who are not happy about it, but I think you would have more of an uproar if you just got rid of the track or you changed it to something else, considering the history of Atlanta Motor Speedway and it be, used to be the final race of the year. So people would win championships and get their trophy at Atlanta Motor Speedway uh, back in the, the 90s Drink. and the early 2000s. So I, Drink you know, Coca-Cola it's, out of it. It's, it's happened before in terms of resurfacing. Um, hasn't really happened where banking has been added or width has been taken away. So that is a difference maker uh, for sure. It's not, I guess you just have to put 2.0 on the end of it. I, I don't know, but I don't think you can change the whole track entirely. That's that'd mess up your Google analytics and everything. That's a mess. <laughs> All right. Joe, Joe's working in media now. He's got SEO on the brain. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hey, let's wrap up our show with the final burnout. Every week we showcase uh, one of our local yokel tracks around the country. And this week we're going to dirt Cherokee Speedway in Gaffney, South Carolina. I watched a video on this speedway earlier this morning. And one of the best quotes I've ever heard about dirt racing the guy said, dirt's for racing, asphalt's for getting there. That's how they feel at Cherokee Speedway. It was built in the 1960s. Some of the legendary dirt drivers, Preston Humphreys, Stick Elliott, some legends were born there at Cherokee Speedway. They average around 100 cars every Saturday night. I mean, this is a hub. That's of, wild. Yes. That's awesome. This is a hub of dirt racing in the South, for sure. And if you want to check it out, if you're in the area or if you just got a long weekend uh, with nothing to do, head over to Gaffney, South Carolina next weekend, not this coming weekend, the following weekend on Friday and Saturday, they'll have the World of Outlaws there. The Friday night race pays out $10,000 and Saturday's feature pays out 20 grand. So we're gonna have a lot of cars, a lot of beating and banging for that uh, amount of cash coming their way and some of the best 
dirt races and dirt drivers you're going to see all year long there at Cherokee Speedway. That's awesome. Good stuff, man. I like that one. Good, good find. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up lap 44 of one lap down. We want to thank you so much for tuning in as you do every week. And of course, remind you that you can follow along, chat with us every week, all week long, any time of the day on Twitter and Facebook. Our Twitter handle is at one lap down pod. And we're on Facebook at one lap down podcast. You can weigh in on Brad's wager of DNFs this Sunday in the F1 race. Four and a half over or under. What is your pick? Mine is under. Brad, you said yours is over, right? I'm going over. I'm going over. Four and a half, lap 44. Trivia question, Joe, who's number 44 in Formula One? That would be Lewis Hamilton. Bingo. The Lewis Hamilton episode. <laughs> if we put that, then maybe people will listen. That'll be a good headline. No, Ooh, what are they no, saying about do Lewis? That. Yeah, it's probably not the right not people. A- listen to our not it's not it's not the right episode either to to, to, to put the <laughs> likes of him no love no. him or hate him he's pretty darn good yes no question about that all right we're gonna step aside and be ready to go again next week here on whatever platform you're listening to thank you again for tuning Thanks. in and until Thanks, next everybody. week i'm joe hutzler i'm brad dunn we'll talk to you then see ya